to the Indian Creek Baptist Church podcast. Thank you for joining us today. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. Our website is www.indiancreekbaptistchurch.org or our email address is info at indiancreekbaptistchurch.org. It is our sincere hope that through this podcast, God will speak to your heart and touch your life so that you may grow closer to him. Welcome back this beautiful evening to Indian Creek Baptist Church. We are going to pick up in the book of John. Last week, uh, we started John chapter 10, and we kind of did a brief overview of verses 1 through 18. Um, in the first five or so verses, Christ is teaching, he's still teaching the Pharisees and the Jews that have kicked the man out of the temple that was once blind, but he begins to teach about the sheepfold and, and how to enter the sheepfold. And then uh, he gets a little deeper in verses 7 through 18. And like I said last week, we just kind of hit uh, a brief overview of that because there are so many things within these verses that we're not even going to skim the surface of them tonight. But uh, we're going to continue on back in John chapter 10 and verse number 1. The Bible says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of the strangers. This parable spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not what things they were which he spake unto them. Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved, and shall go in and out and find pasture." The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is an hireling is not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not. Sorry. Whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and fleeth. And the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth because he is an hireling and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and know my sheep, and am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, whom whom them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down and power to take it up. This commandment have I received of my Father. Let's pray. Father God, again, we love you. We thank you for this glorious day, Lord. We thank you for leaving your word here on this earth, for preserving it for us, for giving it to us in our language so that we can know and understand you. Lord, I pray that you would speak to our hearts tonight. This teaching would not fall on deaf ears. Lord, it's not my thought or my, my opinion. It's your word. And I pray that you would help it to just be your word tonight. But Lord, that it wouldn't fall on deaf ears, that it would enter our ears and travel to our hearts, and it would take root and it would grow and it would mold us and shape us into the men and women that you would have us to be. 
Lord, disciples who are willing to serve you to the ends of the earth. So God, please guide and direct us tonight. We love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we looked last week, we understand that uh, there are there is only one way to enter the sheepfold. There is only one way to become a sheep belonging to the Good Shepherd. And that is by grace, through faith, through salvation alone. John 14.6 John 14.6 says, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Matthew 7.13 and 14 Matthew 7 and verse 13 says, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be that go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Luke 13. Luke 13 and verse number 23. Then said one unto him, Lord, are there few that be saved? He said unto them, Strive to enter in at the straight gate. For many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in and shall not be able. When once the master of the house is risen up and hath shut the, to the door, and you begin to stand without and knock at the door, saying, Lord, Lord, open unto us. And he shall answer and say unto you, I know you not whence ye are. Then shall ye begin to say, We have eaten and drunk in thy presence, and now has taught in our streets. But he shall say, I tell you, I know you not whence ye are. Depart from me, all ye workers of iniquity. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then you shall see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God and ye yourselves thrust out. Christ is repeated throughout the New Testament, throughout the Bible, that there is only one way to heaven and that is through the door. And he plainly says... I am the door. Now, this is true here as Christ is speaking of those that will be saved, but it is also true as he's speaking of the shepherd shepherding the sheep because the way the sheepfolds were designed in Israel, they were uh, pens of fence, stone walls, or maybe even just walls of thorns and thistles with one entrance and one exit. And the, the, the shepherd would put the sheep in in the night. And during the night, the shepherd would lay in the doorway. And you had to physically go through the shepherd to get to the sheep. Or the sheep had to go through the shepherd to get outside. You had to pass through that door. What a great picture for us. You must enter through him and him alone. As Christ put it to Nicodemus in, in John chapter 3, you must be born again. If we go back to Psalm 23, we talked a little bit about it last week in connection with this, but we see our responsibility. In Psalm 23, in verse number 1, it says, The Lord is my shepherd. I belong to him. He paid the price for me. I have to get saved in order to accept that payment. I have to accept that payment. Uh, 
Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That is what he's explaining to them right here. It is completely a picture of salvation and they all missed it, including his disciples. But notice as we continue, who can enter? Back in John chapter 10, Christ doesn't put any restrictions on the who can enter the sheepfold. He puts restrictions on the route taken. He said, those that enter not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. In the other verses that we looked at, he said the only way to get to heaven is through him. He's not restricting anybody. He's just restricting the path that they take. His only concern is the way that you enter, not what kind of sheep you are. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. He loved the whole world. Romans 10, 9-13 repeats the word whosoever. Romans 10, 9 says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whosoever is everybody. It's everyone. Everyone that wants to. Not just those that desire to, but those that desire to meet the requirements. The only requirement is faith and trust in Christ. Trust in his death, his burial, his resurrection. Trusting that in that and that alone. Genesis 15.6 Salvation in the book of Genesis? Absolutely. Genesis 15 and verse number 6. Speaking of Abraham, the Bible says, "...and he believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness." Now understand that this is God speaking to Abraham, telling Abraham that he is going to have a seed. And Abraham says, how can that be? Is, I have no children. Is it going to be my servant, Eleazar? And God said, no, it's going to be, your heir is going to be of your own loins. And Abraham simply believed God. And it was counted unto him for righteousness. Romans 4.3 Romans 4 and verse 3 says, For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Galatians. Galatians 3 and verse number, number 6. Even as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And then James 2.23 
And the scripture was fulfilled, which saith, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. Abraham believed God. But notice, though, in Genesis chapter 15, that the Bible says Abraham believed in the Lord. He put his faith in the Lord that Eliezer would not be his heir. He ordered his life after this belief. If this was the case for Abraham, it is definitely the case for us today. We must believe that Christ paid our sin debt and we must order our life accordingly. My pastor in Missouri would tell, uh, give the example of a parachute. And without getting into all of it, a parachute is useless until you put it on, jump out of the airplane and pull the cord. You've not put your faith in it until it opens and it's holding all of your weight. It's only when these circumstances have been met that you have placed your faith and trust in the parachute. It's only when you are allowing Christ to guide your life that you have truly put your faith and trust in Him. I've said it over and over again. If you owe the go- own the gospel, you owe the gospel. We believe that this Bible is our sole authority. We believe that it is what we need every day for faith and practice. That it's how we should order our lives. And yet so often we disregard it. But not only did Christ tell us the only way and who can enter, he also gave us the benefit. For those who enter through the door, the benefits are tremendous. John 1.12 John 1.12 says, But as many as receive him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. If you are saved today, you are a son of God. You are his child. Salvation brings the privilege of becoming a child of God. Sons have special privilege that the rest of the world does not. I love, we just spent several days with nieces and nephews, and I love them all. But there are many things that I will do for my children that I will never do for them. They're not my children. They're family, but they're not my children. Sons have access. 1 Timothy 2, 5. First Timothy 2 and verse 5, For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. John 1, 1 through 5. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Then you go down to verse number 14. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. 
And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. First Timothy tells us that our access to God is through Christ. And John 1, 1 tells us that Christ, the Word of God, is the Son of God, is God. We have direct access to Him all the time. The Bible tells us that we have not because we ask not. Or because we ask amiss. We have the ability to go to our Heavenly Father at every turn. Salvation brings with it provision, protection, and guidance. We went through Psalm 23 last week, and I'm going to go through it again because I love Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He bought me. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He provides for me. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for him, his, his name's sake. He repairs me. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. He protects me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, and my cup runneth over. He pampers me. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Because he loves me. The shepherd leads the flocks to places of blessing. He goes before them into the place of danger. He provides life in the midst of enemies. The shepherd and the shepherd only has the best interest of the sheep at heart. All others are only involved for their personal gain. And they leave the sheep in danger when their peril outweighs their profit. Christ died for his sheep. Not just his, but all sheep. Even those who would be the enemy. As Christ is teaching these Pharisees and these Jews, and these that would not believe who he is, he's preparing to go to the cross to die for them. Those very men and women that cried crucify him. The very soldiers that drove the spear into his side. That drove the nails through his hand. That drove the crown of thorns into his brow. He died for all of them. This is also, this passage is also full of prophecy. Second Timothy 3.6 Sorry, 3.16. It says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Along with doctrine, reproof, correction, and instruction in righteousness, all Scripture is prophecy. It all points to Christ. You go back to the book of Luke in Luke 16.
Luke 16 and verse number 25. Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. This is, excuse me, Lazarus and the rich man. The rich man speaking to, to Abraham as he's gone to hell. And Lazarus to Abraham's bosom. They have Moses and the prophets. Luke 24 In verse number 27, Christ teaching his disciples as he's walking on the Emmaus Road says, In beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. In John 5. John 5 and verse number 46. For had ye believed Moses, ye would have believed me, for he wrote of me. And you go all the way back to the beginning. Moses spoke of him. The prophets spoke of him. And they wrote of him. And Jesus fulfilled all the prophecy from the Old Testament up until this point to be the shepherd of Israel. In Isaiah 7.14 And Matthew one twenty one, Isaiah seven fourteen, we see the virgin birth. And Matthew one twenty one through twenty three, Christ fulfills that prophecy. Micah five two, we see that he was to be born in Bethlehem. And Matthew two four through six, Christ fulfills that prophecy. Hosea eleven one, he is called out from Egypt. And Matthew two fourteen and fifteen, Christ fulfills that prophecy. Jeremiah thirty one fifteen. He angers his enemies. Matthew two sixteen through 18 Christ fulfills that prophecy. Among many other infallible truths, Christ has shown his credentials and his authority over the sheep. Now he was explaining prophecy that was soon to come. He says in verse number, verse number 17, Therefore doth my father love me because I lay down my life that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. He's showing his death, his burial, and his resurrection right here. The shepherd will lay down his life for his sheep, and the shepherd will do it willingly. No one will be able to take it from him, and he will take his life up again. Notice back in verse number 16, it says, Other sheep I have. Verse number 16, it says, And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. This is prophesying this current church age. That we should all be one fold. He's not going just to the Jews. He's going to the Gentiles also. This was even evidenced in the beginning as God told Abraham to go and to be a witness to show God's power to the world. 
That was the way it was supposed to always be. But notice also the Bible says, I must bring. <coughs> it's not an option. It, it's not a, a possibility. It happened. He died for you and I. Christ is signifying again that salvation isn't just for a few, but for all who accept the responsibility to hear his voice and follow. Not only is he prophesying of one fold, but he is prophesying of liberty. Religion restricts where relationship brings liberty. The sheep will soon be removed from the fold and taken to the green pastures and the still waters. One day, very soon, we are going to enter the gates of heaven and be able to spend eternity with Christ with no pain, no sorrow, no fear, no darkness, no more sin. In verses 12 and 13, Christ speaks of the hireling who desires to be head over the sheep, but in the end flees and leaves the sheep vulnerable to the wolves. This hireling represents all of those in the world who would attempt to take authority over us. Any authority in your life who is not first and foremost in submission to God is a hireling that will flee when times get tough. At this time, his statement is directed, pointed directly at the Pharisees and their false religion. They believed that they were serving God, yet they were serving an idol of their own laws, their own making. Nothing they could do could save man. Today this can be seen in most every other religion in the world. Religion isn't the answer. Relationship is. Religion says you must do and obey. You have to follow laws and rules. Otherwise you're not saved. Relationship says I've done it all. Now let me show you the way. God calls these thieves and robbers. Now this may sound redundant. but Because both steal. But they both steal in different ways. A thief steals with the hope of not being seen, they use stealth and secret. A robber steals through open violence and intimidation. Sounds a lot like what's going on in Israel right now. Hamas is openly attacking Israel, trying to bend them to their will. In all of this, Christ is prophesying of the church age. As he speaks of all the flocks coming together, Make no mistake that while Christ is not physically present on this earth, He is still the good shepherd guiding and directing His flock. He is appointed under shepherds to do His work here on earth, and those same men have all the responsibility of providing, protecting, and guiding as Christ. They, unlike the hireling, have been picked, handpicked by God as men who will follow Him and serve Him. Unfortunately, like the hireling, we are all human and we're prone to failure. 
As an under-shepherd, it's my responsibility to first and foremost guide this flock to follow God. The Apostle Paul said it this way in 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1. He said, Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. Now this has a responsibility for both of us. The responsibility for me is to lead you after the Lord. So that means I must know Him. I need to know what He desires for us. I need to walk with Him. The responsibility for you is to follow but in order for you to follow, you also have to know Christ and walk with Him so that you understand when I may not be. This is not a man leading blind followers. That's not what this church is going to be. We are all to be following Christ in a relationship with Him. And this is the reason that we have this, we're starting this watch care ministry for anyone that wants to be a member. These are things that have to be gone through before membership. Now understand, membership in this church has nothing to do with your salvation. It has nothing to do with your walk with God. It's just my way of protecting the flock that God has put under me. It's not because I want to exclude anyone, but because you need to know the direction that we're traveling and agree with that direction before you join us. And I, I made the announcement uh, before during the song service, but I have a rough draft of the church constitution if anybody wants it. Uh, so you can begin to look through it as we go through it, begin going through it next week on Wednesday night. It's unfortunate that this is going to cause some to be excluded because they don't want to submit. Because they don't want the relationship. Like salvation, your destination is dependent entirely on you and you alone. Membership in this church has no effect on salvation. It only brings you into a flock that gives you protection, provision, and guidance. You can be saved and not involved in a local church and you'll still make it to heaven. The trip will be a lot harder, be full of a lot more sorrow, but it can be done. These are just a few of the things that Christ was teaching through this parable. And this is by no means an exhaustive list. It's up to us to dig in and find out all the truth. This is just the basics. But the Lord tells us that if we are faithful in little, we will be able to be faithful in much. So let's be faithful in the little things now, preparing for the time that will come when we can be faithful in the great things. Next week, we're going to continue on out of this parable and we're going to see the division that this causes in the Jews and how I so often want to just reach back in time and slap them upside the head and say, wake up. But then I remember what all it took to get me to know and understand this truth. We're no better than they are. But we found the truth, so let's share the truth.